Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Broken Lenses. We think differently, we act differently, we all have a different story. Can we learn to coexist with our neighbors despite what may seem to be incompatible life experiences? Also this morning in our Throwback Thursday segment today, we used to think of exploring space as a mission to benefit all mankind. Today, it seems it has become a playground for billionaires. Is there any nobility in the modern space race? And we have ideas to keep your kids busy and creative in the second half of the summer season when the I'm Boards begin to set in. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 15th, 2021. Today is Gummy Worm Day. <laughs> hey, I there's there's no better reason to celebrate. I mean, if you, if you look for a reason to celebrate, gummy worms are about as good a reason as anything else. It is also I Love Horses Day, which I thought was kind of interesting. Do we really need an I Love Horses Day? We all love horses. I mean, who doesn't love horses? So, uh, National Be a Dork Day. National Give Something Away Day. National Respect Canada Day. <laughs> Respect Respect Canada Day. <clears throat> National Tapioca Pudding Day and National Orange Chicken Day today. So have some orange chicken and tapioca pudding for lunch with a Canadian. Maybe some gummy worms for dessert. You'll be all set. So we have new words. In the, uh, in the dictionary. Uh, yesterday, dictionary.com added 300, more than 300 new words uh, in multiple categories related to the time we live in today. And uh, it's interesting, even the categories that they place these words in says something about the times in which we live. Uh, technology, obviously. Race, a number of words and terms related to race, and the coronavirus, and the big categories of new words, dictionary.com. The uh, website says, the new list of words realizes how society is changing and at the same time reveals our boundless creativity and ingenuity. All right. So here are some of the new words related to COVID-19 Long hauler, as it relates to COVID-19, is a person who experiences symptoms or health problems that linger or first appear after supposed recovery from an associated illness or infection. So those are long haulers. So that is now an official word or official term, I guess. As it relates to race, cultural appropriation is now a word. The adoption, usually without acknowledgement, of cultural identity markers from subcultures or minority communities into mainstream culture by people with a relatively privileged status, is the way they define it. Cultural appropriation. Also being added to the dictionary, I thought this was kind of interesting in the category of race, Aunt Jemima, as a slang, a disparaging or offensive slang term for an African-American woman considered by others to be subservient to or curry favor with white people. 
So it's an Aunt Jemima. Kind of interesting. And in the category of technology, this is where uh, a number of really interesting words are now officially words in the English language. For example, uh, yeet. <laughs> yeet. Y-E-E-T is an official word now. It is an exclamation of enthusiasm, approval, triumph, pleasure, joy, etc. Yeet. I've never heard that before. Have you heard that? Is it... Have you ever heard anyone use that term? Uh, oof, O-O-F, oof, an exclamation used to sympathize with someone else's pain or dismay or to express one's own pain or dismay. Oof. I think, I, I think that's long overdue. I've seen that in comic books when I was a kid. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, that wasn't good enough to make it to the dictionary, but now that it's being used online... Become something of a dictionary. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some of the uh, other Zaddy, Z A D D Y. Zaddy is an attractive man who is also stylish, charming, and self confident. Mm hmm. This is kind of interesting. Y'all is now a word in the dictionary, a contraction of you and all, uh, used in direct. Address usually to two or more people. Y'all. Mm hmm. Uh, along the same lines, Ewans. Y O U dash U N S. Ewans. <laughs> Used in direct address usually to two or more persons. So that is now an official word in the dictionary. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other additions, again, speak to the times that we live in. Ghost gun is now an official word at dictionary.com. That is a firearm that does not have a serial number and cannot be easily traced, especially one assembled from parts uh, purchased separately then put together. It's a ghost gun. And domestic terrorism uh, is an addition to the dictionary, and I think we all know what that means. But uh, kind of interesting. New 300-plus new words. Dictionary.com. Some of which, again, I'm a little surprised weren't there before. Oof! So the uh, Olympic Games are set to begin next Friday. Uh, and you heard earlier this week, it was announced that there would be no fans allowed in the stadium, uh, in, the, in the venues. Um, it was announced a long time ago that they wouldn't let foreigners come, but uh, those in Japan with tickets to the Olympics would be allowed to attend. Well, now... Uh, they've even closed that off, so there will be no fans. The athletes won't even be able to stay for the entire Olympics, whereas it used to be the whole team, like all of the athletes for Team USA would go over for the opening ceremonies. They'd stay for the entire Olympics. Some might even make a vacation of it and stay long after, but the it was kind of a team thing. Everybody would go together, even if your events weren't until... Several days later, you would go for the opening ceremonies and so on. That won't happen now, uh, apparently. I don't know what the opening ceremony is going to look like because they're not going to have, apparently, they're not going to have the whole team. As I understand it, they're not going to have the whole team there. Um, the athletes will be required to arrive in Tokyo like 48 hours before their events, and they'll have to leave within 48 hours after their events, just in and out and all of that. Well, apparently... All of these restrictions on visitors 
to the Olympics. And this was the thing. Again, they said no fans at all. Nobody is going to be allowed in the stands. Well, apparently the restriction on visitors doesn't apply to everyone. First Lady Jill Biden will attend the opening ceremony. The White House has announced that uh, the First Lady will attend the Tokyo Olympics next week in what will be her first solo trip overseas as First Lady. In addition to the opening ceremony, uh, Dr. Biden is also expected to attend some of the competitions. But again, no fans, but the First Lady will be there. Her visit will happen even as Tokyo has entered a new state of emergency over an increase in coronavirus cases, yada, yada, yada. I just thought that was interesting. No fans, but okay, the first lady can go. That's hmm. interesting. <clears throat> you know that, and I don't want to wade too deeply into the political weeds here, but you know that if Melania Trump had gone to the Olympics, if they held those last year under the same conditions and Melania Trump had gone, people would be up in arms. I'm just saying. But anyway. Uh, we mentioned the uh, new words in the uh, dictionary. This is kind of interesting. Researchers at the University of South Carolina have analyzed millions of tweets from countries around the world, and they have found that the laughing, crying emoji is the most popular across the world. Uh, again, we talk about new words in the dictionary. Emoji are sort of a language all their own. And uh, these researchers at the University of South Carolina found that the laugh-cry emoji was actually more popular than smiley faces when they analyzed millions of tweets from 30 countries uh, containing over 1,700 emojis overall. The lead author of the study, uh, Mayank uh, Kajuriwal, Kajurawal? Mm. Anyway, the lead author of the study, whatever his name is, says approximately 100 emoji are used most often and that the most important takeaway from the study is that emoji represent the human condition and we are all more alike than different. Of course, the emoji used to express um, most often, I think most, most people use emoji, as I do, uh, to uh, I- express a mood or something that is sometimes difficult to express in words when you're text messaging or posting online. So it's a way of expressing emotion that's not very uh, easy to describe verbally. The countries most likely to use emojis outside of the U.S., number one, the Philippines, Brazil, and India. And across the world, Coastal cities tend to use emoji more than inland areas. Why? Have no idea, but it's kind of interesting. And contextually, in Brazil, tweets about family were most likely accompanied by hearts, while in the U.S., there were very few tweets about family that were accompanied by any emoji at all. So I don't know what that says (laughs) about us and how we feel about our families, but... Uh, let's see. And, uh, speaking of technology, here is something to chew on. You can check if you have an iPhone, check this because I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but apparently the iPhone weather app has something against the number 69. Now it is unclear whether this is due to 
a bug in the app or if Apple is just trying to avoid the obvious jokes related to that particular numeral. Uh, This is a report in The Verge. A Twitter user noted that a possible reason could be that Apple sources its weather app in Celsius. The temperature natively uh, is in Celsius, and then the app converts it to Fahrenheit, in which case 20 degrees Celsius converts to 68 degrees, while 21 degrees Celsius converts to 69.8 degrees, which rounds up to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So thus, you would miss the number 69. But uh, on the other hand, Celsius converts 64.4 degrees, uh, uh, 18 degrees Celsius converts 64.4, and 19 degrees 66.2. So you would think, well, does 65, does it never display 65? But yes, it does. So... Anyway, and they note that a phone with iOS 11.2.1, that particular operating system, will show the temperature is 69 degrees, as did phones running on prior iOS systems. So it is possible that the issue is specific to Apple's most recent update. And anyway, uh, other weather they also point out that other weather sources, including Dark Sky, which Apple owns, have no issue displaying 69 degrees uh, either so does your phone dis- display 69 degrees or is that like a, a taboo number <laughs> in your phone apparently some operating system some iteration of the iphone or the iphone operating system uh, avoids the number 69 in the temperature <laughs> just uh, something interesting you can check and, and try that out Uh, I have never noticed, I don't have an iPhone, I have not noticed anything quirky like that on my uh, app, but apparently this is an iPhone thing. Anyway, there you go, some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast... Mostly sunny today with a high of 88, becoming cloudy tonight, a chance of showers and storms, a low of 71... Governor DeWine has signed a bill into law that prohibits K-12 schools and colleges from requiring a vaccine if that vaccine has not received full approval by the Food and Drug Administration. The law applies to the COVID-19 vaccine, which has been approved by the FDA for emergency use. Meantime, on the heels of the Vaccimillion Incentive Program, Governor DeWine says he will soon unveil a new plan to encourage more Ohioans to get the shot. Governor Mike DeWine says he's going to roll out a new incentive program to boost the vaccination rate. The announcement is expected in the next few days. DeWine hasn't given out many details, but he did hint that smaller amounts of money could be offered to jumpstart the vaccination slowdown. Currently, more than 45 percent of Ohioans statewide are fully vaccinated. That's Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting. The Hancock Park District Board of Commissioners passed a resolution that could lead to the next benching project along the Blanchard River in Findlay. Park District Director Gary Pruitt explains the process, saying Park District land cannot be sold or otherwise transferred without the approval of Hancock County Probate Court. Probate Court will not approve the sale or transfer of land unless or until the Board of Park Commissioners determines that the sale or transfer of land to the City of Findlay for benching followed by park development will result in the best public use of the land. That is what the resolution was for. 
The resolution states that it's the desire of the city and other stakeholders to determine how the benched area, which will include Civitan Park, may also provide recreational and entertainment benefits. Get more on our website. The Ohio State University is hiring staff to work football games for the upcoming season. Positions are open in all departments, including concessions, merchandise, parking, security, and ushering. Ohio State is holding a hiring fair today. We have more details about it on our website. Ohio State opens the season on the road at Minnesota on Thursday night, September 2nd. Their first home game is Saturday, September 11th against Oregon. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. You know, I think we all would love to live in a world where everyone is not so divided against each other. Um, Our next guest uh, has uh, written a new book. Uh, that uh, basically her message is once we start to treat each other and ourselves better, despite our differences, our pasts, our shortcomings, we can live in unity and peace. Emily uh, Bernath is her name. The book is Broken Lenses, Volume 2, Seeing Others' Value in a World of Division. And uh, Emily, it's a, it's a wonderful thought. Forgive me, though, because I, I look at that. I know there will be others who will hear me kind of talk about the lead up to the book and say, boy, that is, uh, it seems like the, the very definition of living with uh, rose-colored glasses, the idea that we can live in a world of unity and peace if we uh, just get past our divisions. Yes, you're right. Uh, yeah, the main theme of the book is that you know, we when we view others as God views them, it unites us versus when we view others the way the world tells us to, it divides us. And so each chapter kind of breaks down a different aspect of how does God see people? You know, he sees them, he accepts them, he respects them, you know, he sees them as worthy, as belonging, those sorts of things. You know, it is really, uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful message, and it's one that we absolutely need to hear, but uh, as we all know, it, it's hard to live up to that particular standard. How do we begin to have that kind of mercy and compassion for someone else? I mean, for me, it breaks down to the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. We all want acceptance. We all want to belong. We all want respect. These are all things we desire. Um, and we should be people who show those to others because we're not alone in wanting those things. Right. Um, and it is hard, you know, our human nature can be selfish at times and, uh, you know, um, with, with God's strength, um, we have the ability to be those people who, who love others as we want to be loved. You have a very personal story that uh, really demonstrates the fact that this is possible even in the wake of what may be what may seem to be uh, insurmountable circumstances. Yeah, so um, I am an advocate for sexual assault survivors, and the reason being uh, one of the main reasons is that I am one, and, um, you know, it's uh, pretty common for you know, survivors of sexual assault and, you know, other traumas in general to see themselves as, you know, worthless and useless. And um, really what changed my life was a community of people doing exactly what Broken Lenses Volume 2 talks about. You know, they saw me and accepted me in a time that I didn't really accept myself. 
Um, and that was really powerful because I could tell that they saw me differently and I didn't know really how to see myself in that way, but through gaining a relationship with God and finding a healthy community that, you know, really supported me, um, I, I have since found the healing and, you know, ability to do so. Yeah. Uh, it also, and you were kind of touching on this uh, in talking about the uh, where you come at uh, in, in writing the book, uh, you talk about the fact that, and many of us do this, uh, we sort of do damaging things to ourselves. Uh, it's not always those external influences um, that maybe we tend to uh, blame all our troubles on this, that, or the other thing uh, that is external or outside of our control, when in reality, uh, many of us uh, do damaging things to ourselves. That is true as well, yes. And, uh, you know, um, community is so important. Um, it's, you know, one of the first truths spoken in the Bible that it's not good for man to be alone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it that makes it all the more important for us to be people who are valuing the people around us because I mean, we never know what others are going through. Right. And, uh, yeah. Well, there, 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 that is the, the, uh, what is the saying? Everyone has a story. Everyone's going through something. And again, uh, by extension, uh, once you get out of that, uh, trap of, of, feeling broken, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, reclaim, uh, your own lives and stop, your own life and, and stop doing that damage to yourself, then you're going to open up and uh, find uh, those uh, positive things in others. Right. So what do you hope ultimately comes from folks reading this book? I mean, uh, you know, you, you're realistic in the fact that you know that this is not going to change the world. So what is the first step? What, what are the first steps that you hope people take uh, after reading the book? You know, I think so often, like, we just see ourselves as one person in a sea of, like, seven billion, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, what can I do to make a difference sort of thing? But we all see the division in the world. I don't have to, you know, show it to you, right? It's everywhere we look. And, you know, um, I I think we just need to each recognize that we have we each play a part in bringing the unity that we want to see in the world that, you know, um, we're all a body working together. And, um, you know, that's, that's the goal really is like, I don't think, yeah, the division, we see it, we don't want it. And, uh, I think we just don't really realize the power that we have to change that. Um, and so that's my hope is that it gives people tools and resources to, you know, bring the, the change we want to see in the world. You know, it, it is such a, a wise outlook because, again, uh, as we said at the outset, uh, we all want to live in a world where people aren't so divided against each other. We want a, a, a kinder, gentler, to use the familiar term, uh, turn of phrase, uh, a kinder, gentler world. But uh, that seems like such a, a big goal. And if we can change those little things that we can change and everybody does that uh that's where how we get to the the ultimate goal even though it may not seem uh achievable again the uh, book is broken lenses volume volume two seeing others value in a world of division emily bernath is uh with us this morning and you have a, a website in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to i do yeah my website is emilybernathauthor.com 
That's B-E-R-N-A-T-H, emilyburnathauthor.com. We will link that up on our webpage. Uh, such a, a positive uh, message that we can all uh, take something away from. Emily, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So last weekend, you remember Richard Branson spent about three minutes in suborbital space on board his Virgin Galactic rocket. Not really in outer space, but far enough out there that he experienced weightlessness and everybody was floating around in the capsule and all that. Oh, it's so cool. And of course, uh, later this month, Jeff Bezos will take his Blue Origin rocket to the edge of space a little farther than Richard Branson. It's kind of the modern space race, and already Elon Musk's SpaceX has been all the way to the International Space Station, although not with Elon Musk aboard. Now, what was once considered a mission to benefit all of mankind has now seemingly turned into a playground for billionaires. Is there any nobility in this modern-day space race? Back in February of 2018, just after Elon Musk launched a Tesla Roadster into deep space with a mannequin behind the wheel, you remember when that happened? Made big headlines? We spoke with Art Harmon of the Coalition to Save Manned Space Exploration about the absurdity of that stunt and the implications of commercial space development. It is today's Throwback Thursday. Well, no, not really. In, in fact, you know what? I bet every five and ten year old kid was just glued to uh, <laughs> whatever they were watching uh, it on, saying "Wow!" and just with their jaws dropping to the floor. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that will inspire those kids to get into programs so that they can work in the space program. There is no question that uh, the, it generated an awful lot of media attention, but it also leads to the question about the commercial uh, development of space exploration versus uh, the traditional avenue that we have always taken with uh, NASA development and government. It's not just this country, but uh, really it's been uh, governments around the world that have been involved in the exploration and the development of space technologies. And now we are, are opening this up to private enterprise. Is that the right mm -hmm. move? Oh, absolutely, because there, there's kind of two elements in space uh, as, as it's developing. Number one, there's the exploration, the going where no man has gone before, uh, but then behind that, then in comes uh, private uh, enterprise, good old-fashioned American ingenuity to say, hey, I can make a buck on this, and so forth. And that's sort of the next step. It, yeah. It's where, you know, once we've explored something where there's really not much profit, no real ability to make a profit to go and land on Mars, but, you know, what once, say, NASA can prove, yes, you can do it, then you're going to find, oh, the investors and the uh, and so forth will be, will see that it is safe to do it, and then they'll put the money in. So we're at that stage now with uh, with space where private companies are starting to uh, to move in to do what used to only be NASA's purview. Yeah. And that allows NASA then to go on to the next step, to build a base on the moon, 
go to Mars and, and so forth. And behind all of those will be the private companies stepping in. And, in fact, they'll be helping build the rockets and yeah. bases and everything. To a certain extent, the uh, private companies have, have always been involved in the space program and building the rockets sure. and so on and so forth. So this is not necessarily uh, a, a new thing outside of the fact that private companies are now doing it all. The reason I bring all of that up, because a friend of mine uh, actually uh, posed this question on social media uh, right after the uh, launch, and I thought it was an interesting question, and I want to pose this to you. Had we opened up space exploration to private industry sooner, how much further might we be today than we are right now? Would we be further along in our exploration of space than we are today? Well, perhaps. You know, the, the exploration part is, uh, is like really, really expensive and there's really no payoff. Sure, you could sell some commercial sponsorships and TV rights, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're going to build a base on the moon or something, uh, then it's going to be the NASA's of the world and, and other countries that, that do it as a national thing. But then right behind them and along with them will be the commercial companies. So you don't think we would have landed a man on the moon by the end of the 1960s uh, if it had been a private enterprise? By itself, no, because, uh, you know, again, they're, they're There's putting no out uh, billions and billions and yeah. getting back almost nothing. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was, you know, 300,000 Americans that uh, not, not just NASA employees, but but with every contractor you can imagine and every small business making a little piece here and there mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that got us to the moon. So this is sort of the natural progression. But I do think that if, if NASA had not, or really it's, it's been administrations that dropped the ball and kept us from going back to the moon and so forth, that, that, that we could be. Literally, you know, if we just followed President Bush's prescription, we'd be on the moon right now. Yeah. But last president canceled all of that, so we're, we're a decade behind, and which gives China and other countries a head start. And that is really what it comes down to uh, at the end of the day. Uh, we want to still be the leader in space exploration here in America, whether that is uh, through uh, governmental or, or public uh, entities such as NASA uh, or uh, private enterprise. One way or the other, we want to be first. We don't want to cede that to China or anywhere else. From February of 2018, our conversation with Art Harmon of the Coalition to, stay, to Save Manned Space Exploration uh, about commercial space development. Today's Throwback Thursday. You you can learn more at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update to the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, and we use that term loosely, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Um, this is not your typical break-in story. Not your typical home invasion story. Lewis... Angelino III, age 27, explains that his side hustle is cleaning homes. That's what he does to make a little money on the side. He cleans people's homes. Recently, he was hired to clean the home for a friend, clean clean a friend's home. He uh, arrived uh, at his friend's home to find the key under the doormat, exactly where he expected uh, it would be, is where his friend told him it would be. He then spent the next two and a half hours cleaning the townhouse until his friend called and asked, Hey, did you 
come over today? Did you clean? Mr. Angelino said, hey, I'm in your living room right now waiting for you to walk in. I'm playing with your cat. And his friend says, uh, I don't have a cat. <laughs> it is at that moment that Mr. Angelino realized that he was in the wrong house. <laughs> he said he froze and realized that he written he had written down Mark's address incorrectly. He wrote down the wrong address. It was off by a single digit. So he ended up spending his afternoon cleaning Mark's neighbor's house instead. Uh, Mark arrived home, left a note for his neighbors explaining what had happened. The true owners of the home, Beth and Tom Motzel, uh, were surprised to find that their home had been cleaned. <laughs> Somebody broke in and committed a cleaning. <laughs> but they took it all in stride. They were good sports about it. Uh, they said they were amused by the mix-up. And they did say that they will keep Mr. Angelino's number on hand for their future cleaning needs. <laughs> So, as it turned out, he may have uh, actually solicited a new client in the whole thing. So, all's well that ends well. <laughs> uh, we laugh, but that could have actually turned out very, very badly if he'd have uh, accidentally entered the wrong home. You know what I mean? We hear those stories in the news all the time. <laughs> all's well that ends well. Elsewhere in the broken news, none of us have truly perfect neighbors. This is a story of a dispute that's been going on uh, since before the 4th of July and continues to escalate. Uh, a man on TikTok, is where this story came from, recently showed how one annoyed neighbor got back at his entire neighborhood. Apparently the neighbor a few houses down from this person who posted the story made his alarm go through a PA system to wake up the entire neighborhood at a quarter till six in the morning, <laughs> he wanted to get back at everyone for shooting fireworks off all night, every night. Uh, he said, no one can find the alarm to shut it off. <laughs> the alarm clock's going off, amplified for the entire neighborhood through a, a big PA system. One person comments, that man is my hero. But uh, the uh, user, the pers person who originally posted the story, shared in a follow-up post that the revenge move did not have the intended effect, and instead, all of the rest of the people in the neighborhood have waged war by continuing to set off fireworks all night, every night. So this is not over. And you have to wonder uh, just how long it will be before authorities have to be called in on this whole thing. We'll continue to follow the story. This is quite a predicament to get oneself into. Happened on Tuesday. Firefighters were called to a uh, called to a North Harbor Boulevard in Santa Ana, California, where a woman had been heard crying out for help. Turns out she was stuck between the outer walls of an auto body shop and a car stereo store. She was wedged in between the buildings. The there's only like eight inches in between the buildings. The owners of the stores say that they called police after continually hearing a woman calling for help. <laughs> they couldn't figure out where it was coming from, but police arrived to find the woman was stuck in an area about eight inches wide. Oh, and she was completely naked as well. So there is that uh, workers had to uh, work on this for about two and a half hours 
ended up having to cut a large area of concrete from the walls before they were able to put the uh, pull the woman out. Officials say it was unclear if she was hurt, but she was taken to an area hospital for evaluation. It is also unclear how the woman got stuck between the walls, how long she had been trapped there, or why she was naked. <laughs> Although, to be fair, some people don't need a reason. So. Um... Other broken news this morning. How drunk do you have to be to try something like this? This past weekend, two women walked into a location of the renowned New York Chinese restaurant, Jean Famous Foods, after a night on the town. The restaurant's electronic lock was apparently off because of a power failure, so the doors were pretty much open, even though the restaurant was clearly closed for the night. But that did not stop this uh, pair of ladies. They made their way inside at about 1230 a.m. Sunday morning and were caught on the restaurant's security cameras, which apparently had a backup uh, power source. So they have security uh, video footage of this. Uh, the women tried to cook dumplings in cold water because the power was out. So no water heater. And then they were seen fumbling with equipment and food. They just broke in and tried to fix themselves a snack. The owner of the restaurant posted the footage on his Facebook account. The restaurant decided to close for a deep cleaning and to inspect products that might have been potentially com contaminated by the two visitors. The restaurant notes in its post that they have not contacted police yet, and they won't if the women will reach out and pay for the trouble they caused. An update Tuesday night said the women had provided compensation, but noted that just one actually apologized. So... Here's a here's a tip, maybe for the owner. Uh, if you have backup power for your security cameras, you may want to install backup power for your electronic door lock. Just a thought. Just a thought uh, on that. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is a, uh, a funny story involving wild animals. In North Carolina, a young black bear shimmied up a tree which happened to be smack dab next to the local hospital. So obviously this is not good. You got to get the bear out of there. First responders were summoned to remove the threat. The incident happened at the UNC Rex Hospital in Raleigh, according to local news reports. Thankfully, the bear did not require drastic measures to make him leave the tree. They didn't have to tranquilize him or anything like that. All authorities needed to do was wave around some jelly donuts. <laughs> That did it. The animal came barreling down the tree for the donuts. Wildlife Management Division Chief Brad Howard said the bear had gone through a traumatic experience as he was left in a tree in broad daylight, tons of people around. That was very uh, uh, traumatic for the bear. Prior to deploying the donuts, uh, the bear is probably thinking, how could I get out of here safely? After scoring a tummy full of free food, though, the cub scampered away. Authorities believe he has learned his lesson. Uh, Mr. Howard estimates the bear was likely a male somewhere between 12 and 18 months of age, so a young bear. Uh, but 12 to 18 months is right around the time that mama bears kick their cubs to the curb so that they can go up and go out and, and strike out on their own. So <laughs> bears learned his lesson now, though. I, You got to name him Yogi, don't you? I mean, jelly donuts and all 
There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN Radio News. We keep you in the know with the events of our community that affect you and your family. Whenever it happens, you can count on us to fill you in with the information you need. We'll also keep you up to date with all the latest from around the Buckeye State with the help of the Ohio News Network. And we cover the nation and the world with the resources of ABC News. The information you need around the clock from your news authority. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and now at 95.5 FM. The National Low Income Housing Coalition uh, is out this week with their annual Out of Reach report. The National Low Income Housing Coalition. What they find is that if you are working full time, but only for minimum wage, you could not afford the rent on a two bedroom apartment anywhere in this country. And you could not afford a one-bedroom apartment in 93% of U.S. counties. Uh, The report, using average uh, rent data uh, from around the country, and then uh, the formula of debt-to-income, what you should be spending for housing, the report says that workers would need to earn about $20 an hour just to afford a one-bedroom rental on average in this country. The most expensive housing market, San Francisco, not surprisingly, where you would need to earn $60 an hour to afford an apartment. Kind of interesting stuff. I think it says more about the price of housing than it does the minimum wage in this country. But it does lead to our daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A new poll out yesterday found that an estimated 1.8 million unemployed Americans turned down job offers during the pandemic because they were getting enough money from their unemployment benefits. In this morning consult poll of 5,000 U.S. adults, 29% of those getting unemployment benefits said that they had turned down job offers during the pandemic. And of that group, 45% said it was because their unemployment benefits were sufficient. So Morning Consult extrapolated that data to the 14.1 million adults getting benefits as of June 19th. And they came up with a number of roughly 1.8 million people that turned down job offers due to Uh, unemployment. And that refers to all unemployment benefits, including the standard 26 weeks, as well as the extra emergency unemployment allowances that were put in place during the pandemic. Now, that being said, it is not uh, the only reason people have turned down job offers, and in fact, is not even the number one reason, according to the survey. Uh, The Most often cited reason for turning down a job offer over the course of the past year were concerns over child care. That was child care obligations, number one. Uh, The number two reason cited concerns or fears about COVID-19 health issues and then the unemployment uh, benefit consideration was number three. Of course, a lot of businesses have been having a hard time finding employees Uh, during the reopening phase 
at the tail end of the pandemic here, and many critics have blamed the extra emergency unemployment benefits, saying that they are too generous and incentivizing people not to work. And it does appear that, at least in some cases, that is definitely a factor, although uh, critics are quick to point out that there are other factors that need to be addressed as well. But 26 states, including Ohio, have uh, cut emergency benefits early or placed additional restrictions on them at a minimum. They are due to the expanded uh, unemployment uh, is due to expire for everyone by September. Interesting stuff in today's Daily Download. Well, you know, once we get past the 4th of July and into the second half of the summer season, this is when the I'm boards begin to set in. Kids have had their fill of all of the obvious summertime activities, and now you're looking for something new to keep them busy. Well, we have just the thing for you this morning. Craftbox girl Lynn Lilly is here with details on a free virtual creative camp for young crafters. And uh, Lynn, this is running, what, now through August 6th, right? Tell us all about this. Yes, absolutely. I am all too familiar with the I'm Boards. As a mom, I know it's why I am so excited about this virtual craft camp that Michael's is hosting. So like you said, it goes now through August 6th, and it is free crafting classes three times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday each week, there is a different craft class. So all you've got to do is log on to michaels.com slash campcreatology and sign up for the class. So you can pick whichever class, you can sign up for all of them. And you'll get a reminder link before the class goes live. But if something comes up and you can't attend, the replays will always be available on the website. So it is so easy. And it is a great inspirational activity to get your kids to stop saying, I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) So it's four weeks. It's all through Zoom. uh, So kids can do it anywhere. It is all free three times a week for four weeks. Um, So what are some of the craft projects that you're going to be guiding these kids through? So each week has a different theme. So right now, this is our first week where kids will play with beads and bells. And then next week, week two is all about yarn. Week three is all about creating crafts with paper. And the last week wraps up with some paint projects. So there is something for every child. And the projects are designed for kids starting at three years old. But each project lists an ideal age with it as well as all the supplies you need. So you can shop everything that you need on michaels.com through a one-click bundle, or you may have some stuff at home, so you can mix and match with things you may need or things you have. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. You know, are the supply lists going to be posted there so that kids will, you can make sure that the kids have everything they need uh, to uh, craft along. And, you know, like I said, this is the time of year when the parents start to hear the chorus of I'm bored. And so it's easy to see this as an idea to keep you from having to pull your hair out, wondering how you're going to keep them entertained. And certainly that is part of it. But you are quick to point out that it is, it's about more than just keeping kids busy. Yes, absolutely. It's more than just something to give them to do. It is teaching them skills. So they're going to learn new crafting skills. They're also going to help them express their personality. They may learn how to do something like painting leaves or florals or creating a 3D paper project that they can then develop into a hobby, right? Something that may eventually turn into they do for a career, like me. I learned crafting when I was little, and now I do it as a living every day of my life. So it really is something that 
can help your kids with development. It can inspire them. We all know that crafting is good for the soul. <laughs> yeah, good for the soul and, and good for uh, to uh, develop motor skills. It's uh, good to, you know, there are all kinds of anything, yes. anything that you can do that is going to get kids' brain cells active is going to serve them well uh, beyond it. I mean, they, they think they're just having fun, but there's uh, really a lot going on there uh, behind the scenes, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. With my three and a half year old, I really like these types of classes because it's teaching her to follow step by step instructions. Yeah. So she's learning to listen while she's learning a skill and having fun. So as we mentioned, this is uh, four weeks. It's uh, going on right now through August 6th, three times a week. Uh, these uh, are online virtual, uh, this online virtual craft camp. Um, and as you said, folks can sign up for uh, as many of these as you want or even all of them and as you were alluding to you can go back and and see the replays and such so you know even if you want to sign up for once a week and then kind of spread it out uh, through the rest of the summer you can do that too yeah absolutely keep it in your back pocket sign up for that class you'll get the reminder and then afterwards you'll get the link of when it's posted so maybe you can't make the wednesday class but saturday and sunday rolls around and it's raining and the kids you know are saying i'm bored you can easily get out your supplies, pop open the computer or a mobile device, and they can start crafting. Uh, another point, uh, a good point as well. You can do that on whatever device uh, that you have, computers, tablets, uh, mobile phones, whatever it might happen to be. So, again, uh, Craftbox girl Lynn Lilly with uh, details on this free virtual creative camp for young crafters from the folks at Michael's. What is the website where we get more information uh, and uh, sign up for all of these uh, classes, online classes? Absolutely. Go to michaels.com slash camp Link it up on our webpage. Lynn, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Happy crafting. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Again, thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow with the Tokyo Games just a week away, five-time Olympian Gail Devers will join us to talk about how this year will be a very different experience for the athletes. And she'll also talk about the medical condition that almost derailed her career before it even started. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.